You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Echoes from the Past, Pictures of the Future, Episode 2, with Daniel Pell. All right, let's get into our second presentation. Echoes from the Past and Pictures of the Future is our overall title for this series. And our second presentation is entitled Prophetic Symbols and the Future of This World. In our first presentation, we looked at a little bit of an overview, a little bit of a, what we could call a bird's perspective um, of the book of Daniel. The setting of the book of Daniel was captivity. Babylon was the ruling power in the days of Daniel the prophet. Between 500 and 600 years before Christ, Babylon invaded Jerusalem, took Daniel along with many others captive. And so we have the setting of the book of Daniel is captivity. And we looked at the bigger picture of we being captive in this world, but also that we, and we also looked at the ultimate deliverance of Christ when he comes the second time. And these themes are running kind of together through these prophetic books of Daniel and also the book of Revelation. In this second presentation, we're going to look at an ancient king's dream. In the second chapter of the book of Daniel, we read about King Nebuchadnezzar that had a dream. Nebuchadnezzar, that great and mighty king of Babylon, dreamt a dream and he woke up in the morning and he knew that he had dreamt something of great importance. And so what he did, and you can read the story there in Daniel chapter 2, he gathers his wise men together, his magicians, his astrologers, and he asks them to, to report to him what he dreamt and also to give to him the interpretation of that dream. Now, they cannot give the dream, neither can they give the interpretation, and so he becomes enraged with them. And the Bible tells us that he passes a death degree upon the wise men of Babylon. He becomes so enraged that they cannot come with the dream and the interpretation that he... Um, he basically puts a date and he says, you're going you're gonna to be put to death. You're not worth anything. I've been paying you to do this work. You're not able to do it. And so the death degree is passed. Now, this is where the prophet comes into the story because Daniel, as we learned in chapter 1, was selected to be one of the wise men of Babylon. He was trained at the court, uh, in the court of the king, and so he was now also in danger of losing his life. And you read there in Daniel chapter 2 of how he hears about the death degree that has been passed. He goes to his home and together with his friends, he starts praying. And he asks the king to give him time. And he is granted time and he prays. And then during the night session, he is given the dream and the interpretation of the dream. And he wakes up in the morning and he gives praises to God and he makes his way to the royal palace of the king appears before him and explains to the king both his dream and the interpretation. It's an incredible story there in Daniel chapter 2, especially as we're going to get into what this dream is all about. 
<clears throat> because what we're going to see is that the dream of Nebuchadnezzar is not just some you know, dream that is of no significance for us today, but it is a dream of a prophecy. It is a prophecy that reveals the kingdoms that would come and fall from the days of Babylon to the very time in which we are living. Now, what did the king actually dream? You can read it in Daniel chapter 2. He dreamt of a great big image, and that image was made of various metals. The image had a head of gold, a chest and arms of silver, as you see here on the slide, thighs of brass, legs of iron, and then feet part of iron and part of clay. Not only did the king dream of this interesting image made of different metals, but also in his dream, he saw a stone that hit the image on the feet and everything crumbled to pieces. And so as Daniel is relating to Nebuchadnezzar this dream, the, he, is, he is amazed. He's, I can imagine he's sitting on the very you know, tip of his throne and he's listening very carefully and the things are coming back to his mind and he's saying, that's exactly what I dreamt. Now, the interpretation is absolutely incredible. Listen, to, listen carefully to what the Bible says as the prophet explains the meaning of the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 37 and 38, it says, You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. You are this head of gold. So in the image with the head of gold, the head of gold was a representation in that image of the kingdom of Babylon or of Nebuchadnezzar, which was, of course, the king of Babylon. And what we see is that every metal, that every part of the image that came after the head of gold, the, the, the different uh, metals, are representations of different kingdoms that would come after Babylon. Babylon reigned from 605 to 539 BC and is represented by the head of gold in this image that the king dreamt about. The image that we see here, a picture of, with the head of gold, the chest and arms of silver, the thighs of brass, legs of iron, and feet, part of iron and part of clay. Now, what we need to do then is we need to take prophecy, we need to take this dream, and we need to look at history and look at which kingdom came after Babylon, which would then be represented by the next metal in this image. Daniel the prophet was very clear. He pointed to Nebuchadnezzar and he says, you are this head of gold. But then he continued on and the next and, and what, what, he, what he said to the king was that there was going to come another kingdom after him. Now, when you look a little bit about Babylon, before we go to the next kingdom, we learn that Babylon was not just any city. It was a mighty city of antiquity. As a matter of fact, just hear a few statements about the city of Babylon, the kingdom of Babylon, the city of Babylon. It was 16 kilometers around while Rome was only 9.6 and Athens 6.4, so that gives you a little bit of an idea of the, uh, the size of this city. It says the temple of Marduk was 300 feet or 91 meters high. Outside it was covered with blue glazed tile. Inside it was overlaid with gold. And then you had the altar in the temple of Marduk, and the throne were made from 8.5 tons of solid gold. Can you imagine the, the riches and the might of this incredible, impressive city, the city of Babylon? 
And so, you know, Nebuchadnezzar had the idea that his kingdom was never going to pass away. He thought, it's so powerful, it's so mighty, it's so rich. There's no, there's no kingdom that's going to take my kingdom. As a matter of fact, it's very interesting that archaeologists have found a tablet that which they believe to be the writing of Nebuchadnezzar himself that says, May Babylon last forever. May Babylon last forever. But that's not what the prophecy said. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 39... Daniel continues and he says to the king, After you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. So we have the kingdom of Babylon, but that was not going to be the last kingdom. Another kingdom was going to come. It, was be, it would be inferior to the first kingdom. And this kingdom, when we look at the story of history, and we also look at the story um, found in scripture, we find out that this kingdom was none other than the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, in Daniel chapter 5, and in a later presentation, we're going to go deeper into the story in Daniel chapter 5. Um, but there we find the history of the overthrow of Babylon, and we read about the next kingdom that came on the scene, which was Medo-Persia. What happened? Well, a king that followed um, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, King Belshazzar, Belteshazzar, he, made, he had a great big feast in which he took the sacred vessels from the temple that they had taken uh, uh, under the captivity. And in this riotous feast, he was desecrating these sacred vessels. And at the very time that he had this riotous feast, outside of the walls of Babylon, the uh, armies of the Medes and Persians had already gathered. But the Babylonians were not really afraid. Because they knew that they had thick walls and there was a river going through the city. They had a food supply of approximately 20 years and uh, they had no worries. And so they are partying and everything seems to be fine. But that night something very amazing happened. As they are feasting, as they are rioting, as they are drinking, suddenly a handwriting appears on the wall. And this story you can read in Daniel chapter 5. And the handwriting reads, reads, Mena, Mena, Tekel, Upasin. Now, no one knew the meaning of that writing. As a matter of fact, he gathers, this king gathers, just like Nebuchadnezzar, all his wise men together, and they cannot bring, uh, give the interpretation of the writing. The prophet comes on the scene, the prophet Daniel, and with the inspiration of God, gives the understanding of the writing, and it is interpreted as following. And this is also taken from Daniel chapter 5. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And that very night, when that angel wrote that inscription upon the wall, that very night Babylon fell and was overtaken by the Medes and the Persians. Now, how did that happen? As I said earlier, there was a river that was flowing through the city of Babylon, and that was the river of Euphrates. And what the commander of the Medes and Persians did, which was Cyrus, is he diverted the water into a reservoir so that his soldiers could march 
under the gate or under the wall and through the gates into the city. On that very night, they had left the water gates because even in the water they had gates. They had left them open and they were riotously feasting away that night. And the, and the river was dried up and the soldiers of the Medes and the Persians marched under the walls. And in one night, Babylon fell. The mighty city that seemed unconquerable fell to the Medes and the Persians. And the prophecy um, found in Daniel chapter 2 found its fulfilling. The dream of Nebuchadnezzar came to pass. The head of gold was Babylon, but a second kingdom would come. And that was represented by the um, chest and arms of silver in that image. Now, there's another text in the Bible that describes that event, the conquering of Babylon. It was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah wrote, and this is actually written more than a hundred years before it actually happened. But listen to the accuracy of the description of the overthrow of Babylon. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 1. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him. Now, Isaiah the prophet is mentioning a name here, and it's the name Cyrus. Cyrus was the commander of the Medes and the Persians, and he was the one that led the Medes and the Persians to conquer Babylon. Isn't it fascinating that Isaiah, more than a hundred years prior, even mentions the very one that would be instrumental in the overthrow of Babylon. Now it goes on, and in this poetic language, look at the description of the overthrow. It says, And loose the armor of kings to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. That's exactly what happened. The water gates were not shut. They were left open that night. And so Persia was, Medo-Persia was the next kingdom that conquered Babylon, that came on the scene of Earth's history. Now, Persia, Medo-Persia reigned from approximately 539 to 331 BC. And you see here a little bit map of the area uh, in which Medo-Persia uh, reigned. But that was not the last kingdom either. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 39, Daniel, is, as he's continuing to explain the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, he says the following. Then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. So there would come a third kingdom represented by bronze, the thighs of bronze in the image. Now, again, we have to look at history, and we can trace history, and we take history hand in hand with Bible prophecy, and we see that history reveals that Babylon was conquered by Medo-Persia, and the very next kingdom that came on the scene was the kingdom of Greece. And, of course, that was under the famous Alexander the Great. There's actually a story how Alexander the Great with his army was facing the king of the Medes and the Persians, which was Darius at that time, King Darius. And they met on the fields of Arbella and the famous battle took place there between these two kings. And uh, the, king of the king of the Medes and the Persians, Darius, actually outnumbered the army of, uh, of Alexander the Great uh, with one, for, for every one soldier of, of um, the Grecian army, he had 20 soldiers in his army. And so he seemed to be the winning, the winning side, on the winning side, and yet he was afraid of the Grecian army. And uh, so he sent a messenger to Alexander the Great and he said, why can't you be king of the West and I'll be king of the East? 
And Alexander the Great, he sent a messenger back and he said, as there are no place for two suns in the sky, there is no place for you and I. And so the battle started between Darius and Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great had an amazing way of using his horsemen and his soldiers. And even though he was outnumbered one by 20, he conquered that day. And he continued to conquer rapidly. And history tells us that in a matter of approximately eight years, um, Alexander conquered the large parts of, of um of the then known world, of the populated world, even as far as into India. And uh, this was, of course, on horseback at that time. Uh, Alexander the Great died, though, at a very young age because uh, it is told that every time he would conquer, he would celebrate that by drinking. And uh, he drank just a little bit too much. And when he was at the young age of 32, 33, uh, somewhere around that age, he died after... Um, a severe sickness. Now, you look at that, you know, and you, you think about that. A young man that conquered the world and yet died. Um, and we look at the gospel story. We have another young man, 33 years old, that died and yet he conquered the hearts of man. It's interesting to note how we look at these men of history that conquered the world and that are known and yet there is a greater that stands above them all, that conquered this world, that conquered the hearts of man, that won back the allegiance um, of man and reconciles us to God. But in this story of history, we have Greece represented by the thighs of brass, reigning from a period of 331 to 168 BC, and yet this was not the last kingdom that, was, that would come either. We have another kingdom which would follow Greece, and... Alexander the Great died and his army um, or his kingdom was divided actually to his generals and they were fighting amongst themselves. But ultimately, the next empire that came on the scene was Rome. And this was the fourth empire in the image of Daniel chapter 2, in the image uh, of the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. Listen to what it says in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 40. It says, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. So iron is really, uh, you know, when we think of iron, we think of a strong, it's a strong metal. And the next kingdom that came, Rome, was a very oppressive and strong nation. Even the description there says it would crush in pieces. And certainly the oppressive iron monarchy of Rome did just that. Now Rome lasted for a long time from 168 BC to approximately 476 AD. It was a long reign represented by the long legs of iron in this image. So what we're basically doing here is very simple. We're, we're walking through history and the dream of Nebuchadnezzar is coming to pass as we are seeing uh, that we are coming closer and closer to the bottom of this image. We are not living in the days of Babylon. We're not living in the days of Medo-Persia or Greece or Rome. We find ourselves in the very bottom of this image. Take notice what happens next as it gets very, very interesting. Here's a map of the reign of the Roman Empire. We know that they, um, they conquered much, many countries, much territory. But what happened when, what happened with Rome? Well, here's a, 
um, quotation from a historian by the name of Edward Gibbon. And he wrote in a book, Decline and the Fall of the Roman Empire, he writes, and listen to the language that he uses here. He says, the images of gold, silver, or brass that might serve to represent the nations and their kings were successfully broken by the iron monarchy of Rome. See, he's using the language from the prophecy, right? He's using the very language of the prophecy, the images of gold, silver, or brass, representing, of course, Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. They uh, were successfully broken by the iron monarchy, and Rome is known as the iron monarchy, the legs of iron in the image. Now, the question, of course, who conquered Rome? Which nation conquered Rome? Because Babylon was conquered by one nation. Medo-Persia was conquered by one nation. Greece was conquered by one nation. But Rome, what happened to Rome? Was there one nation that conquered Rome? Not really. What happened to Rome is that it fragmented, it was divided because there were many nations that started invading Rome. And there was also corruption from within that caused Rome to fall apart, basically. And so we don't have one nation that conquered Rome, but rather what we see in the history of Rome is that it divided, it fragmented because there was corruption from within. You know, one Caesar would poison the other one and, and there would be all these little fractions and then there were tribes coming from the north and from the south and from the east conquering parts of Rome. And so basically it just fell apart. Now what does the prophecy say? What does the prophecy say? We come to the feet and the image, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 41. Listen to what it says. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be what? The kingdom shall be divided, the Bible says. The kingdom shall be divided. And that's exactly what we see. We see the divided Europe as we know it today. And uh, interesting, here you have a map of the different nations that um, were... Uh, present then after or, or that came about after the division of Rome and uh, you know you look at the Franks and of course that's what we uh, today know as the French you look at the Anglo-Saxons that's what we know today as the English and so on here you have a little list of um, the different nations and how we know them today and so we have the division of the Roman Empire or uh, you know, and the present, the present Europe as we know it today. But the prophecy says something else. Listen to this, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 43. The Bible says, As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men. There would be an attempt to bring this divided empire back together again. Rome was divided, Rome was fragmented, and yet throughout history we see attempt after attempt after attempt to bring it back together again. We just think about the various attempts that have been made through wars. Think of um, Napoleon. He tried to bring Europe together again, and there were many others that tried to do it through war, but they never really succeeded. It seemed to succeed for a short period, but not really for a long period. Um, then we think of other ways that Europe has tried to unite. Think about intermarriage. Uh, you know, one king would, um, would allow their prince, uh, their son, to marry with a princess of another country in order to unite countries through intermarriage. But again, it did not last very long. Europe remained divided. Listen to what the prophecy says. But they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. 
So an attempt was made, and yet it would not last. This unity would not last. And so we look throughout the ages, we look throughout history, and we see attempt after attempt after attempt to unite this fallen, divided Roman Empire, Europe as we know it today, and yet it did not last. What about today, though? What about the recent history? What about this generation? Well, definitely there has been an attempt to unite Europe. This is just a poster that was given out by the EEC, the European Economic Community, and it says, Europe, many voices, one tongue. Interesting picture, by the way, because this is a picture that is actually taken from a biblical story. A biblical story in the 11th chapter of Genesis, which talks about the Tower of Babel and how the, 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 the nations gathered together shortly after the flood and they built this huge, grand, big tower. And yet their project was abruptly ended when the languages were confused. God caused them to speak different languages, which ultimately made them scatter abroad and they could not complete the building of that tower. What we see to, to happening in, in Europe today and actually at the, in the world at large is that nations are coming together wanting to unite. And yet what does the prophecy say? Will they be able to unite? According to Daniel chapter 2, there will not be. They will not adhere one to another. There will not be a lasting unity. And of course we see this attempt being made in Europe even in this very day and age. Interesting to, to, to take note of, um, of this fact in light of Bible prophecy. And could it be that this ancient story of the Tower of Babel is being repeated before our very eyes? Now, we come to the end of the image. We come to the feet and, or the, the feet and the toes, part of iron, part of clay. That's where we are today. We could say that we're really in the tip of the toes, so to speak, of this image. Now, when you look at the image, you will find out that the iron of the legs continues in the feet. Now, the iron was a, a representation of the Roman Empire, and yet Rome does not really stop. It's not really, it's not over. The, ro the, the iron continues in the feet. It's part of potter's clay, part of iron. And really, when you look at all these different nations that have been in the past, you look at Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, characteristics of those nations and characteristics particularly of Rome are still present in our world today, in our culture today. I mean, you look at our universities in our world today. Uh, much of our universities are based upon the... Um, uh, or they can be traced back, we could say, to uh, Greece and the school system that they had in those days. Uh, you look at our political uh, system, much of it can be traced back to Rome. And so there are different characteristics of our society today that can be really traced back to these nations uh, revealed in this prophecy. And there is the saying uh, that goes, all roads lead to Rome. And there's much truth in that. And uh, we're going to see a little bit more as we go deeper into prophecies in the book of Daniel and Revelation that ultimately prophecy predicts that there's going to be a rise of a new Roman Empire in the last days that is going to have the nature of oppression 
And we're going to look more in detail into those prophecies later on. But I want to, what I want you to take note of in this study is that in Daniel chapter 2, in this image, the iron legs, the iron of the, that is manifest in the legs, continues in the feet. So there's something of the Roman Empire, there's something of the characteristics of those nations that continues even in the very day and age in which we live. Now, in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 45... It says, the dream, and this is the words of Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar, the dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. There's no doubt about what God is revealing here. God does not reveal, you know, something that is shrouded in mystery. The dream is certain, the interpretation is sure. And then it goes on, and as we just look a little bit review here, we see how the dream has led us through, the prophecy has led us through the ages. It has led us all the way from Babylon to the very times in which we are living. And then it says in verse 44 the following, and this becomes very exciting. This is an exciting part of the prophecy. Listen to what it says. Daniel chapter 2 verse 44. And in the days of these kings, of this division... In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So there is a kingdom that is going to come after all these other kingdoms. And it's not going to be like these other kingdoms. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that this kingdom is going to stand forever. Babylon, well, you know, Nebuchadnezzar wanted Babylon to last forever, but the reality of the matter is that it didn't. Medo-Persia conquered Babylon. And I'm sure that there was a king in Medo-Persia that wanted his kingdom to reign forever, but it didn't. Alexander the Great that reigned in Greece, he wanted his kingdom to last forever, but it didn't. Rome envisioned its empire to last forever but it crumbled to bits. And even when Rome is now uniting the world again in a new Roman Empire, a new world order that we're going to discover in Bible prophecy, Scripture tells us it's not going to last forever. There is one kingdom that will last forever, and that is the kingdom of God. And look at the next step in this prophecy as it continues. Verse 45. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone, remember the stone in the vision, in the prophecy? Not only did Nebuchadnezzar see an image made of different metals, but he also saw a stone that hit the image in the feet. Listen to what it says about the stone. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. It has been made known what is going to come to pass. Now, what is that stone representing? There are many scriptures that we could go to that represent, that, that tell us that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Christ is represented by a rock or a stone. One of those verses is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, where it talks about the rock being Christ. Christ is also called the corner stone, the firm foundation. There are scriptures that we could quote, many of them. And it's interesting to see that the kingdom that is going to last forever is none other than the kingdom of God, represented by the rock that crushes this image, that causes this image to fall apart. And that is none other than the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus Christ returns in great glory, 
when Christ comes, not in a manger, but as King of kings and Lord of lords, this world is going to end as it is, and God is going to bring an eternal kingdom. He's going to cause sin to be put away. Sin, death, and sorrow is, going to, is no more going to be found. God will institute a kingdom that will last forever, a kingdom without sin. This is when this world that is now captive to sin will be set free. And my friends, when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ, we can be part of that kingdom. We can be part of that ultimate deliverance in the end of time. And so we have a powerful prophecy right there in Daniel chapter 2. A prophecy that brings us from the days of Babylon, throughout the kingdoms, from Babylon to Medo-Persia, to Greece, to Rome, to the divided Roman Empire, the divided world in which we're living, and yet a world that is trying to unite in many ways, but the unity will not last. And ultimately, Christ will come, and His kingdom is the kingdom that will last forever. This prophecy in Daniel chapter 2 is what we could call the foundational prophecy that um, the rest of the prophecies, both in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, build upon. So this prophecy that we've looked at here tonight is going to be, in many ways, the cornerstone of many of the prophecies that we're going to study um, in the coming week as we gather together here from night to night. Because what we're going to see is how the other prophecies are like building blocks upon this one. If you've understood this one, the kingdoms from Babylon down to the end of the ages, in many ways this will help you as, you continue, as we continue to study. Now, we want to also look a little bit at a story found in the next chapter, in chapter 3. We're going to cover that chapter as well shortly here tonight. Because in the very next chapter, something incredible happens. In Daniel chapter 2, we have the image, uh, the dream, made uh, of, uh, the, the, the image made of various metals, representing the various kingdoms until the end of time. As you come to Daniel chapter 3, the next chapter, Nebuchadnezzar decides to build, to make a huge image of gold. And he places that huge image of gold, and you can read the story there, and he places it in the plains, on the plains of Dura. And he causes all his important men and women to come together, all his counselors, all his princes, all his wise men, and they are all to come together and they are to bow down and worship this golden image that he has set up there on the plains of Dura. The Bible tells us there in Daniel chapter 3 that at the sound of the music, when the music would sound and they had this big, you know, huge orchestra, you can imagine the scene there, when it would play they were all to bow down and worship this golden image. Now what is really going on here is that Nebuchadnezzar is denying the truth that had been revealed to him through the prophet because, you know, just taking a step back into chapter 2, you remember the image the dream and the interpretation that was given by the prophet, by God, through the prophet. Now what he does is he makes an image of gold. In other words, he's denying the fact that Babylon will, be, will one day be conquered. He's denying the fact that Babylon will pass away. And he not only denies the fact himself, but he wants the world, he wants his empire to follow him in worshipping the image that he has set up. In Daniel chapter 3, you read about this image and how all those that are there, that are called together, are caused to worship this image. Now, this story is an echo from the past, 
but it will in many ways be fulfilled in the future because the language of this story and the 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 line of this of this story is very similar to pictures that are presented to us in the book of Revelation of what's going to happen in the future. Now, it might not happen in the exact same way, but we do learn in the book of Revelation that there will be a power in the end of time that will cause the earth to worship it, and if they don't worship it, that a death degree will be passed, just like what happened in this story. As a matter of fact, there's this incredible prophecy in Revelation chapter 13 of a beast coming up out of the sea. And a beast in Bible prophecy represents a kingdom. The Bible tells us that. And this beast is, is and we're going to study it when we get to Revelation chapter 13, but this beast has a name of blasphemy upon its head. It, it's, um, uh, it, it's representing a power that is opposed to the very scriptures and the teachings of God, and it is a power that in the end of time is going to cause the world to worship it, and those that don't worship it receive a mark. Maybe you've heard about the expression, the mark of the beast. That is found there right in the book of Revelation. This is a future prophecy that in many ways um, is repeating what happened there on the plain of Dura, um, between 500 and 600 years before Christ. And so we're looking here at echoes of the past and pictures of the future, and many times you can compare the two, and there are similar stories. And we learn from what has happened in the past of how uh, we can stand strong through these events that are still on the horizon. Um, it is very, very inspiring to see what happened there on the plains of Dura because God did not let, he, he did not, you know, move away from his people at that time. As a matter of fact, he was very close to those that were faithful and stood up for him at that moment. Because what happened? Well, in Daniel chapter 3, you read about the three friends of Daniel that you also read about in the first chapter um, that were there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were on the plains of Dura, and they refused to worship that image. And so they were taken before the king, before King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, he was enraged with fury, and yet he gave them a second chance. And he said to them, if you don't bow down when you hear the music, I will throw you into a fiery furnace. They were threatened by death if they would not worship this image that he had set up. And of course, they stood strong. They knew the second commandment of God's law that said, don't worship any, any graven image. They said, we will worship God alone. And so they were taken and they were thrown into this fiery furnace, which Nebuchadnezzar had heated up. And yet, in the very fiery furnace, the deliverance was manifest. And the king, looking into the fiery furnace... When you read the story there in chapter 3, he looks into the fiery furnace and he says, I see a fourth man. They threw three into the fiery furnace and yet a fourth was seen amongst them. And it was none other than Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, appearing in their midst with them there in the fiery trial. And so they came out of the, that fire unharmed. And Nebuchadnezzar had to acknowledge right there the God of heaven, which rules above every other God that he was worshipping and that he had created in Babylon. This story, my friends, is a great encouragement because in the end of time, 
as we, uh, as we come to the, near, to, to the end of earth's history, prophecy reveals that there are going to be similar trials for God's people, and yet there will be a similar deliverance for God's people as well. A great, great encouragement. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, listen to what the Bible says. It says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is more precious than gold? More precious than gold is the faith that is being tried. Now, isn't that exactly what happened there on the plains of Dura with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Their faith was tried to the uttermost, even to the point that they could have lost their lives. And yet they, just, they chose not to compromise. They chose to stand strong. And in doing so, their faith was honored. According to this verse, faith that is tested will be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is soon coming. According to prophecy, He is soon coming. And when we have faith in Him, our faith will also be able to be found to praise, honor, and glory. And I pray that that will be the fact for you, the fact for me, that we will experience what it is to live so close to God, to be so in tune with Him that He will be able to use us and that when we come into circumstances of life where our faith is tested, that we will trust in Him and that He will deliver us and lead us through. So this is the story of Daniel chapter 2, the prophecy and the story of Daniel chapter 3. And as we look back for a moment at these three first chapters, we learn over and over again in these stories, in these accounts, of the faithfulness of God to His people despite of the circumstance. Many times in our lives, we, we face circumstances that are challenging, that are difficult. But, you know, looking at these echoes of the past, it is like a reminder for us that whatever we face, that God has promised to be with us and to give us strength and courage and to give us the power that we need to pass through whatever it may be. Think of the prophets. Think of the prophet and his friends as they came to Babylon. A new land, a foreign land, foreign gods, Gods that were uh, teachings and, 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 and ways that were so contrary to the way he had grown up and the God he believed in. And yet, right there in Babylon, he was able to manifest faithfulness. And that faithfulness was honored and blessed in a, in, in a way that he could have not even imagined. They could have not even imagined. And then there in Daniel chapter 2, the dream that was being interpreted. What an incredible prophecy. And yet, God gave... The prophet Daniel, the ability to interpret that dream, and in that sense, doing that brought him to a level of esteem in the Babylonian, in the Babylonian realm, in the kingdom of Babylon. And right there in chapter 3, the story that we just looked at, his friends that would not bow down to that golden image. And again, the God of, that they served was exalted, and they were exalted as well. When you serve God, God will not only be exalted, but He will exalt you as well. Let's pray in closing. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the study that we could have together here. Thank you that we could look closely, Lord, at the stories of the past which remind us, Lord, of what you want to do in our lives today. Thank you that we can 
put our faith in you that whatever may come, that you will lead us through. And Lord, sometimes we face these fiery trials that seem unbearable. And yet, Lord, we know that you are by our side at the very hottest moment, at the very difficult moments. And thank you for that reminder. Thank you for prophecy. Thank you for the power of your word. I pray that as we continue to gather together throughout this week, that you will continue to speak to our hearts and instruct us regarding these prophecies. For we thank you and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.